grab me a beer and grab him a coke. We bout to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon says, here, bitch, your ex drink your buddy. Brandon says, here, bitch, your ex drink your buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. If you're new to the show, quick rundown of the show. Used to be everybody's favorite drinking buddy. Used to hang out with friends, get drunk, and reminisce about old stories of partying, getting in trouble, doing drugs, drinking. I'm sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do. Most weeks I will be joined by a guest. This week is another exception. Solo pod... Savannah is in the building, but she's not going to be joining me on the mic. You might hear her from time to time chime in, maybe. But a lot of stuff has been going on this past week, week and a half, so just everything fell apart as far as having guests. I do apologize for the late posting of the episode, especially to Patreon. You pay good money to get the episode early, and I will hold myself more accountable moving forward. I do have um, a few episodes lined up, uh, hopefully to bank a few as well. The problem is I'm discovering that everyone is on their own timeline. So in Jacksonville, as I've discussed before, a lot of people wanted to be on the show. They were excited to be on the show. You know, we would go out of our way to get everything taken care of, set up the recording. That is not the case in New York City. Everyone is kind of worried about what they're doing, what they got going on. And a lot of comics have podcasts. So it's not something unique or special, especially up here. So when you try to, when I've tried to book guests, it's like, yeah, sure. Like, I'll be on it. And then, you know, plans change. Things fall through. People don't message me back or they'll message me back a few days later and be like, I totally forgot. So no excuses, just results. I'd say I'm sorry, but then Savannah would say, just don't be sorry, be better. So I'm going to do that for you guys. I'm going to try to be better. Like I said, I've got some people lined up, some solid, reliable people lined up. So hopefully, I know I said this last time, but hopefully this will be the last solo podcast for a while. But I will not miss a week. That is something that not only have I said on the show, but... Something that's been drilled into my brain by other comics is you. Keep, no matter what, you got to put something out. So I just wanted to hang out with you guys, tell you about some of the stuff that's been going on lately up here. I got to meet one of my comedic heroes, Bill Burr. So I'm going to share that story. And then um, this Hurricane Ida business. So that was at the beginning of this month. Uh, we live in Midtown Manhattan, so we thought we were fine. We had no flooding at all. We're on the second floor. Drainage worked real well. Um, as far as our neighborhood, when we went out, when I went out the next day, the next morning, clear blue skies. You would have never guessed that there was a hurricane the night before. Uh, didn't even think about it really. And then, fast forward to about a week later, we get a call. Savannah gets a call from the storage company. Now, when we left Florida, we had a few things that we did not dream of parting with, but they were bigger items, so we decided to get a storage unit. Storage is way too expensive in the city, so we got one outside the city in Jersey. Didn't even think twice about it, really, because, I mean, how often does a hurricane hit New York City? 
Um, and we got a call, and the storage unit said that there was massive flooding. We're on the first floor of the storage unit because said items are big and heavy, so we wanted to get one on the first floor. And we didn't know kind of what to expect. Uh, part of me was hoping I was going to you know, waste the morning of one of my days off going out there and nothing was going to be wrong and everything would be fine and it would just have been a waste of a few hours. But another part of me thought this could be really bad. And so this last, this, you know, a few days ago, I went out there to see, assess the damage, see what was going on, and they weren't kidding. There was massive flooding. So a few of the items, the whole reason we got the storage unit, uh, were destroyed. Uh, boxes of, you know, clothes that Savannah had wanted to keep, totally just wiped out. I um, kept all my stuff from college, my old FAU days, uh, every essay or dis or paper or case study I'd ever written that I was proud of all my notes all my notebooks folders uh, textbooks I had kept all that stuff because I was like you know I, I like to revisit that I'd like to look at it and you know just kind of be like oh I used to be pretty smart like I used to be pretty good at this kind of stuff um, but yeah all of it was completely destroyed not even like damage they kept putting damage on the report but i was like no this stuff is destroyed waterlogged completely every book i've ever bought or given to me or bought like there were a couple books i borrowed from family that were in there that are just gone so um if they're listening uh, i'm gonna have to buy a new one <laughs> but yeah so i was dealing with that this week so that kind of put a hamper on the scheduling for the podcast. And then I had a couple of guests lined up, but, you know, same thing that always happens in New York. Like I said, people were busy. Um, things came up, so we weren't able to make it happen. Like I said, uh, we will. Joe, you're not the only shadow producer of this episode. Savannah is critiquing me as I talk to you guys. She goes, move on, move on. Uh -huh. So we are moving on. Anyway, that's what's going on up here. But I wanted to tell you guys a very, uh, I thought it was a very funny story of meeting Bill Burr, one of my heroes, one of the inspirations for me to get back into comedy. Everyone knows his quote, you know, failure isn't living on a futon when you're 30. Failure is waking up next to someone you don't care about going to a job you hate every day trying to pay your mortgage. Loosely, that's what the quote is. One of the reasons I, big reasons I got back into stand-up when I got sober is Bill Burr. And through um, some friendships that I have um, that I made before I even got here and then some people I've met along the way since I've been here through those friendships, I heard that old Billy Rednuts was in town. And it was very hush-hush. Not a lot of people knew he was here. He didn't really talk about coming to New York until he was in New York on his podcast. Um, but I got the word a few days ahead of time that he was coming into town. So I was like, fucking, you better believe it. I'm going to like try to do everything I can to get out of work and get up here. So I could not get out of work that day. Um, Matt, guest of the show, the big one year um, anniversary episode is with Matt. He uh, was supposed to work that night, but he had an acting gig come up. So he was like, hey, man, can you cover the shift? It'd mean a lot to me. So I was like, fuck it. I'll cover the shift. You know, I'll, there'll be other chances to meet Bill Burr. 
So fast forward, I actually got off relatively early for closing down the bar. It was only like 10.05 by the time I clocked out. So I was like, you know what? I'll text some of my friends that are at the stand with Bill and see what's going on. So one of them was like, hey, man, I'm pretty tired. I'm going to head home, but everyone's still hanging out. Just letting you know. So I'm like, all right, awesome. Take the subway up to the stand and I get there. Now, I don't like to intrude. I like to try to be polite and try to just let people come to me, you know, like those fish in the, in the, in the documentaries that have the little thing in the, in the front of their heads. Let them come to me. So I'm sitting at the bar drinking a water, talking to the bartenders because I go to the stand so much I kind of know those guys. And we're just, you know, hanging out. And I see Bill at a table, Paul Verzi's there, Joe Bartnick, um, Josh Adam Myers. They're all at this table. And I was like, well, I can't just walk up and say hello. That would be awkward. So I'm just sitting at the bar. <laughs> then <laughs> Bill comes up to the bar to get a water. And he gets a water. Paul Verzi comes up. I'm like, hey, Paul, so sorry I missed your show. He was running his hour. I was like, I had to work. I wish I could have been there. And he's like, ah, no problem. Don't even worry about it. And then him and Bill start talking at the bar. So now I am like six feet away, if that, from one of my heroes, an icon in the world of stand-up comedy. And I'm just like kind of fanboying out, you know, star fuckering out. Just like, oh, my God, that's Billy fucking Burr right there. I don't say anything. I just sit there awkwardly staring at them. And then a couple other comments come up and they all start just talking, shooting the shit. And I'm sitting close enough to hear them, but not close enough where I'm part of the conversation. And I keep laughing randomly at things that they're saying. And that's when Bill succinctly turns to me and he says, are you going to join the conversation or just sit there like a fucking creep? Which, like, I loved it. To get roasted like that by one of the masters of ball busting, I took that as one of the most extreme compliments I've ever received. I thought it was awesome. I laughed. I said I didn't want to intrude. And that's when he came back with, well, you're intruding. You're in the conversation. You might as well join us. And I introduced myself, said I was a comic from Florida. And I know Bill and Paul are huge football fans. So, of course, I dropped the, yeah, I played college football in Florida. Um, and then they were like, what? That's crazy. You played football at a D1 school in Florida, the mecca of college football, you know, as far as recruiting and stuff. So that was, you know, they say don't meet your heroes, but it was actually pretty freaking awesome. So embarrassing. I definitely embarrassed myself. Bye. <laughs> Sitting three barstools down, just hunkered over my cup of water, like giggling at them. But it was definitely worth it. So that's for sure. I wanted to share that story with you guys. And then, so yeah, that was a story I wanted to share with everybody. Again, I do apologize about the solo shit. I know you guys don't want to hear me ramble. And I know Savannah doesn't like it because she just gave me a look like, stop bringing it up. Um... But I did just want to share that story. So it got me thinking. The whole hurricane thing had me thinking. Um, you can always go to brennantcomedy.com slash merch store. Buy some merch. Help us help Savannah and I rebuild. You know, support the rebuild. 
Hashtag rebuild. Buy some merch. Um, but the hurricane got me thinking. I'm pretty sure I've talked about all my arrests and different shenanigans uh, briefly, if not in depth on the show. But for those of you listening who might be new to the show, I uh, got my second DUI um, in a parked car in a Walmart parking lot. Now, I know I've told that story plenty of times. I'm not sure if I fully shared the story of my first DUI. So I wanted to share that now because it was interesting with the way it happened. Um, As most of you listening know, I was at a bar, O'Brien's, in South Florida, in Delray. And every Thursday, they did like a Thirsty Thursday. And so I got hammered. I was with a friend of mine from work, a female. And we were hanging out, having a good time. Then when I went to leave, I was like, hey, do you want to come back to my house? And she's like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, bet I haven't had any kind of intimate interaction since uh, my college girlfriend and I broke up. And I got super fat after playing football. And I was an alcoholic at this point. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. So I got in my car, and as I'm driving, I stop at a red left arrow light. It turns green, but I'm not paying attention because I'm talking to the woman from work. And so I go a little late. I get lit up by the cops. Apparently, they had been following me the whole time. And they said I was, um, like, reckless driving or something was the charge. that they, The reason they pulled me over was because I was stopped too long at a green light. And that's reckless. Something like that. They basically knew I was hammered. So they arrested me. Now, I know a lot of you know that story. But I wanted to elaborate on what happened after that. Uh, because a lot of people always, you know, are curious. the Not only the process with that, but like how you get out of probation. Or in my case, I just left. So let me, I want to explain that. So I get the DUI. I go to jail overnight. Um, And then I get what's called ROR, released on my own recognizance. Now, after that, a couple things happened. So I had, um, I know I talked about it with Emily on the show. I had Betsy, her car, and it was impounded. So a friend of mine took me to pick it up. We got that out of the impound. I think I borrowed like $200 from him to get it out. And now it's in this weird spot where I still have a job. I still have to go to class, but I don't have a car. I don't, I mean, I have a car, but I don't have a license um, because I refuse to blow. So they just take your license right then and there. And I'm, I'm kind of stuck. So I go um, a few times to court trying to get this whole thing sorted out. And normally what would happen is you would just get like, I, you would just say, okay, you got me. I was guilty. But because I didn't blow... And when they did the field sobriety test, I kept blaming the fact that I was walking funny on an old football injury, which I never actually had. I just was a big baby about it. You know, like when you're a kid and you hurt somebody else and you're like, oh, but I hurt my foot or I hurt my hand. You know, when you're wrestling with a buddy. Um, I did that. But with the police at 22 years old, <laughs> when they asked me to walk a straight line, I, I took two steps. and I was like, oh, my, my ankle, my ankle. Like, yeah, I might be in trouble, but. I also am hurt too, so feel bad for me. I did that. Uh, So I thought maybe I could get out of it. Now, I couldn't afford a lawyer, so I just got to... And I was pre-law, as everybody knows, so I was like, I don't need a lawyer. I'll defend myself. Ted Bundy did it. I could do it. And then they were like, no, you need to get some sort of representation, even if it's a public defender. So I went to the public defender's office, thought I could get out of it. 
And I couldn't. She was like, just plead guilty. It's open and shut. You get a year of probation. Because you refuse to blow, you lose your license for a year. Easy peasy. Go to probation. Pay the fines. It's all over with. In Florida, everybody gets one when it comes to DUIs. You get one. Um, so I was like, all right, no problem. But at the time, I was still drinking. So it ended up becoming quite a problem. So fast forward, I can't even tell you how I got around, like how I got all this shit done. But I did. I got a lot of it done. Now, six months into probation, I'm finishing up with school. My roommates are finishing up with school. There's no reason for me to be in Boca anymore, um, a Deerfield where we were living at the time. And I wanted to go home, back to uh, my mom's house in Palm Coast. So I went to my probation officer and said, hey, I want to move back home. Is there any way I can do probation there? I, I can't afford to stay here anymore. I don't have student loans anymore. Everything's run out and I'm done with school. I want to leave. And she said, yeah, that's fine, but you have to do something called mail-in probation. So basically, I'd be living in Palm Coast. I would go to Flagler County to uh, like check in, and then they would mail it to uh, Palm Beach County. And I'm like, all right, that sounds easy enough. So I fill out all the paperwork. And then the day I'm leaving, shout out to uh, my roommate, Big Len Dog. He uh, drove me home. We're in the U-Haul, and we stopped at the probation office before we get on the road because I have to hand in this paperwork for mail-in probation. So we're in the U-Haul, six months into probation, still haven't done hardly any community service, really slacking on paying the fines, but I'm managing, I'm getting by. And I get there and I hand her the paperwork and then she goes, oh, you filled out this section wrong. You're going to have to redo it and go in front of the judge to get it approved. And I was like, that is not, that is not what we talked about. And so in my probably hungover or still drunk brain, I was like, okay, no problem. I'll go home. I'll redo it. And I'll go in front of the judge. And I just left. Just completely dipped and got in the U-Haul. I looked at Lenny and I was like, we're good, man. Let's head to Palm Coast. We're golden. And I left. So you're not allowed to do that. Um, under state law, you can't just leave the county you're uh, being probationed by. Um, and you especially can't just leave without telling anybody. Uh, so they issued a warrant for my arrest. Um, but it's it's a level three misdemeanor. It's um, it's not that big of a deal um, in the system as far as there's no manhunt. They're not going to look at your social media to figure out where you are and come get you. They know eventually, eventually, you'll slip up. You'll try to fly somewhere where they have to run your ID and the warrant will pop up. Or you're going to get pulled over. Or something, something will eventually happen. So this is back in like 2011, 12. And then I go about a year and a half. Yeah, 2012 is when I left. So I got the DUI in 2010. It finally like fit, wrapped up and I got sentenced in 2011. And now 2012, I leave. Everybody knows I spend the $26,000 in 28 days, get the settlement, you know, go crazy in Daytona. Uh, and then I moved to Oklahoma City. Then I go to rehab. All this stuff is happening with this warrant still out for my arrest. 
And then one day, living in the halfway house, we are going to a meeting, and I'm sitting in this truck, and no one is wearing a seatbelt. So I'm like, I'm not going to be the fucking nerd who puts on a seatbelt, so I don't buckle my seatbelt. Which is a huge no-no in my family. I won't even... You can ask Savannah. I won't even start the car until everyone's got their seatbelts on. That's how my mother raised me. We're big seatbelt wearers. But I was like, I don't want to look like the geek. So I'm not going to wear it. And as we're driving to this AA meeting, I went to rehab. I'm living in a halfway house. I got my life on track. There's a cop just sitting or standing on the side of the road, just pointing at cars and pulling people over. For speeding, for not wearing seatbelts, for all sorts of stuff. So he pulls us over. And I'm thinking, well, I know I have this warrant. I've had this warrant now for almost two years. This is going to be a problem. So when the officer approaches the vehicle, he asks the driver for his license and registration. Then he asks me for some sort of identification. And I have a bit about it um, that I really love. But that's when I turn to the officer. And in my head, I'm like, you cannot give this guy a reason to look you up. Like, you can't give him your name. You have to just get out of this. So I looked at the officer dead in the eye and I said, no, you don't need to see my ID. I wasn't driving. I'm not breaking any laws. And he said, actually, in the state of Florida, people in the passenger seat have to wear a seatbelt. So I'm writing you a ticket for not wearing a seatbelt. So I do need your ID. And that's when I said, this is the land of the free and the home of the brave. Francis Kaki says, I don't have to show you anything. And that's when he said, give me your goddamn ID. <laughs> and I didn't want to argue. I had been arrested a few times at this point, And I knew just arguing with the cops was, wasn't going to get me anywhere. So I gave them the ID. They came back to the truck, guns drawn, screaming at me, get out of the car, get out of the car. Um, so that was a pretty shitty experience. I uh, got arrested, went to Duval, and then they have to do this thing called a transfer because my warrant is for Palm Beach County. So I spent 36 hours in a tiny little van going from Duval County to Palm Beach County. For those of you listening not in the know, that's a maybe five-hour drive if you're going slow enough. It took 36 hours in this van because you have to stop at every county on the way down. And then we went across the state to get people on the West Coast and then back over. It was grueling. And they get you in there like Hannibal Lecter, like in this tiny little like almost stall um, in this van. There's like six to eight stalls. Luckily, by the time we got down, you know, pretty far south, they switched us to a uh, bigger, like, uh, church van kind of thing. But that was the one that was going to go down south and then back up to the state prison. So I was in there with murderers and shit. That was scary. Then I got to Palm Beach County, and I went in front of the judge. And it was peculiar, because now this is pretty much three years from when I left college. Um, And I graduated late, so it's been about three years since all my other friends graduated from political science and history and stuff. And they all went to law school. And law school only takes three years. So guess who I see in the courtroom on the other side working for the state prosecutor? Like three or four people I was in the pre-law society with. They just stayed in Palm Beach County and got jobs working for the state. So I walk out in the orange jumpsuit and shackled and I'm like, hey guys, what's going on? Um... The probation representative told the judge that I had eight counts of probation 
So I should get one month for every count of probation violation and then an extra month uh, basically for being an asshole, an extra month for thinking I could, um, I believe her words were, um, what did she say? Something about the system, thinking I could uh, snafu the system. What did she say? I don't know. It's not important. But basically thinking I could get out of it, I needed an extra month. So she said nine months. That's what she told the judge. And now I'm freaking out. Because I've never done longer than a couple, like a few days in jail. And now at this point, I've spent over a week in Duval County and then 36 hours on a transpo. And now they're saying nine months in Palm Beach. I had everyone from the halfway house and the re I think I've told this story, write letters and everything. And they got it knocked all the way down to uh, three months, which I think was the minimum at the time. So three months in jail. Um Completely sober, living in a halfway house after I tried to turn my life around. I still got three months. But the real kicker of it was when I got out, it wasn't like a lot of stuff. So a lot of times when you get arrested, um, you, they basically give you an option. Like you can go on probation for five years, pay all these fines, pay all these dues on probation. Or you could do like one year in jail. Now, if you talk to the uninitiated... People who have never gotten in that kind of trouble before, they'd be like, oh, I do probation all day long. Like, who would want to be in jail or prison? But if you talk to the initiated, and we are initiated, aren't we, Bruce? You learn that it's actually a lot easier just to do the jail time and get it over with. If you have, like, the ability to do that. Like, you're not stuck in a lease. or something. Like, if you're living with someone who can float you the rent or you live at home or, you know, you things like that then you would be able to just be like, screw it, I'll just go to jail for three months, six months, a year versus being on probation for five years. Because probation, doesn't matter who you are, is set up for you to fail. Like the, the, the hoops they ask you to jump through are insane. So it's it's very difficult not to violate. Even if you're doing everything right, if you just fill out paperwork wrong, they could get you on a violation. And I've met probation officers who are that much of dicks where... You file something wrong, and then boom, they got you. Um, so, yeah, I did uh, the time in jail, and then uh, I got out. But when it comes to DUI cases, this is good information for everyone to have. The DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles, is completely separate from the court system. So if you ever get in trouble, say, driving on a suspended license... You go to jail for, you know, a couple of weeks, maybe a month. Then you get out. That that absolves you of all of you paid your debt to society when it comes to the court system. As far as you don't know, fines or court costs or anything like that. Like if you go to jail, they'll wipe all that stuff out because you're doing the jail time for the most part. Like you still excuse me, you still have to pay like the court costs and stuff. But a lot of times the fines and stuff get erased because you did time in jail. And so that makes up for it. Um, but. The DMV is separate. So when I got out of jail, my obviously everything was done with as far as the DUI and the probation. All that was finished when it came to the court system. I was free and clear of the court system. But my license was still suspended. I still owed the DMV thousands of dollars in fines. And that doesn't go away. So I guess what I'm trying to say is if you get in any trouble when it comes to your license, if you take the jail time, it's not going to make a difference when it comes to the DMV. So I know that's not a super funny story, but I found it to be interesting. 
that's a little knowledge for you on the podcast. We're going to get more guests. I promise you that. Ex-Drinking Buddy will live on. Hurricane Ida really fucked up our plans. I saved our little dog's life, Clozephine. That was pretty cool. She had got into something and was choking, and I literally stuck my finger down her throat and pulled out what she was choking on and saved her. So I'm a hero. Buy merch. Big show in New York City. Broadway Comedy Club, October 7th. And then I'll be at Broadway Comedy Club again on October 16th. Thank you so much for listening. I know, short episode. Wasn't all it was cracked up to be, but we're pushing out content, baby. You guys got to hear about Bill Burr. You get to hear what happens when you skip out on probation. Savannah, would you like to say anything to the people? No, she said no. (laughs) I love you all. Thank you again for listening. I'm so sorry, but we're going to move on. We're going to get better. Um, subscribe on Patreon, Brennan, uh, patreon.com slash Brennan Tassif, Brennan for all your ex drinking buddy needs. And we will talk to you all next week. <laughs>